Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you to a two-part series where we're talking about being stressed out. And the hope is that after a couple of weeks, we can make a dent or some major improvement in that area of our lives. I want to welcome those that are streaming live with us in McKinney. I want to say thank you to those at 1230 that are making room and making space for others. And those of you joining us online, would you join me in saying to all of them that we're glad you're along for the ride. We're thinking about you and you joining in with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at, starting in verse 28, we're going to look at a few verses there uh, from Jesus really to us that really puts the finger on this subject and touches us right where we live. Before I get into the passage, as you're finding your passage, I want to recognize a very special group of people in our community uh, because it's that time of year where we're headed back to school and uh, we love our communities. I know McKinney's joining in with us as well. And I'd like to ask all of our teachers and school administrators to stand up so that we can celebrate you. Would you stand up? Come on now. Awesome. Wow. I'm always amazed. No, 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 don't sit down. Stand up, stand up, stand up. I love this part. All you teachers, you know, I didn't say sit down. That's not, yeah. This is what you do to us. You torment us. I'm going to have each of you come and give a speech. No, no, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. But uh, we want to tell you how much we appreciate you. I'm also amazed at the number of teachers. This room is full. Uh, I know there's a lot there in McKinney, lots in all of our services this weekend. And uh, we would love to show you how much we appreciate you. That little card. Out in the commons area, you'll see uh, at both campuses a place where you can go and receive a lunchbox. We have a little tumbler for you, a little coffee cup, because God and caffeine will get you through this year. <laughs> Come on. Y'all know what's true. And, uh, and so we have that in an Amazon gift card to help you with some of your supplies. And so uh, thank you, because we have a generous church. We're able to sow and invest into you. And most importantly, we want to pray for you. So would everyone join me as we pray over this school year? Father, we thank you, Lord, for these teachers, school administrators, and those who invest in a very important uh, part of our worlds, something, some, some people that are very important to us, these young people and the next generation. And so, Lord, I know many teachers and school administrators, they feel uh, somewhat of a sense of calling in this area, and I pray you would would remind them of that, Lord, that you would encourage them and you would give them some even insight from you on this year, maybe some changes, maybe some thoughts, maybe some things you're getting them ready for. And Lord, we pray for strength for them on the difficult days. Lord, we know that they have a huge part to play in the lives of these young people. Many young people speak about how a teacher or a coach had such a big impact on them. So we literally from our church here, we send them into these areas of our culture, Lord, and we ask you to sustain them, strengthen them, and encourage them in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We love you. Let's give them another round of applause. We're thankful for you. 
Speaking of back to school and speaking of stress, I found a letter from a dad who had a little stress moment. He walked by his son's room. He was surprised to find, which was very rare, that in fact his bed was made. But on his pillow was a letter, and it said this, Dear Dad, it's with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I, you, I knew you would not approve of her because of how old she is. She's much, much older than me, and we just found out she's pregnant. She knows that we will be very happy. She owns a trailer out in the woods. She has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children. My girlfriend has also opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone, so we'll be growing it for ourselves and we'll be trading it with other people that live nearby. This business plan will provide us enough income for this new lifestyle, so I've decided that I don't really need to finish school or even go to college. Don't worry, Dad, I'm 16 and I fully know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure, we'll come back to visit so you can get to know your grandchildren. Love, your son. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm at my friend's house playing Fortnite, but I wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card that's in the center drawer of my desk. Tell me when it's safe to come home. Come on now. Just a little perspective. <laughs> He's just trying to give his dad a little bit of perspective. Some of you are wondering, you know, why would we talk about stressed out? You know, is that in the Bible? What does the Bible have to say about it? Well, the phrase, the concept looks a lot different in our culture today. And the Bible was written to a different generation and a different group of people, but still inspired and applicable to the present day culture. And though it looks a little different, the truth is the effects of it in our lives are very real. And so the real way we came to this message series is at Easter, we had lots of people and I sent out a survey and I said, what is it that you would like me to talk about? What is it that you would like me to help you with as your pastor? And so overwhelmingly, you responded to me and said you're struggling with stress. That's what you said. There's some other things on there that we're going to hit, but very large and a high percentage of people said, I'm struggling with stress, and so I'd like us to look at it. This is not a psychological talk. This is not just me up here just giving some kind of cultural facts. We're going to go to the Bible and we're going to find out what the Bible has to say to us if this is an area that we're struggling. I began to pray about it. I began to think about it. Man, I, I know it's an issue. It's been an issue in my own life, but amazing that it would be that, that overwhelming that that's what you're asking for for help. Now, I know you're all coming from different places in regards to this topic. And some of you, you don't handle stress well at all. It's like just a little bit of change. A little bit of pressure can create major stress in your life. One thing that I would say for the majority of us, though, that we really need to understand right here at the start, because some of you are kind of like, man, I'm doing fine, I'm doing great. No, 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 no. We need to admit this. We're terrible at self-evaluation in this area. 
Typically, it takes some type of symptomatic condition that begins to arise in our lives before we're even aware of the levels of stress that we're living at. And so we begin to see relationships break down. We see that we have inability to really respond in a healthy way to the people we love. We can't be present in the areas that we really want to be present. And many times, many of the physicians in our church, years ago I did a video and I interviewed a bunch of physicians in our church, and they tell you that a lot of things today are very difficult to diagnose because it's just the way we're doing life. And so you end up with these consistent migraines or gastrointestinal issues that just just have to do with how you're living, and of course diet and other things can play in, but still this, this, this high amount of stress affecting uh, adrenal systems and affecting gastrointestinal issues, and we just, we're just living at this. So a lot of times, there's symptoms that start to come up. You find yourself struggling with sleep. You find yourself, you've never considered yourself to be an anxious person, but you find yourself in social settings having some kind of panic-type deals and, and anxiety disorders and worse yet, you end up with, with depression. You know, it's just like, I, I just kind of want to stay in bed. I don't really have a lot of hope for the future. And, and you've never felt that way before, and you don't know why. And you consider yourself to be a positive, upbeat person, but the effects of stress, here's the deal. They, they sneak up on us. They, they come on us, and we don't know how we even got there. And, and we think we're making it through life until these symptoms come. And, and again, now we're seeing in our culture the alarming amount of suicides and people taking their lives. And I know there's chemical things and I know there's mental illness. And so look, I'm a pastor, I know that. But I wanna tell you, the effects of stress are real. And the effects of stress are hard for us to even be able to know when they're present in our lives. And then there's some of you in this series, you have an unhealthy relationship with stress. In fact, you create stress. You don't even believe life is really going on unless stress is present. You create stress for everybody around you. You, you just, you, you live that way. In fact, that's, that's, that is just a normal way of life to live sometimes with toxic levels of stress. There's a lot of things we're gonna look at the next couple of weeks as we talk about this together, but as I prayed for you and I really thought about it, I think one of the things that's unique to our community and the way our makeup is and culturally and socially I think if I really were to put my finger on it, one of the largest contributors to stress in our community and the biggest source of stress is this, there's a gap. There's a gap between our desire for more. Everybody say more. Our desire for more, if a little bit's good, more is better. Our desire for more and our difficulty in actually handling stewarding and healthily managing what we currently have. So we can't even really handle what we have, but we need more. I saw this, I'm guilty of this, we're all guilty of this. It's like, look, more is better, it's always better. I took my daughters out to the movies the other day. I walk up after we get through the ticket counter and everything, we go over to the snack bar, and this little girl's back there. I don't know, she's a high school student. I thought about hiring her to work for Milestone, you know? She was good. She had power. I stepped up there. I said, we'll have a medium popcorn. She said, you can have a large for a dollar more. I said, well, praise the Lord. I mean, if medium can bless the man of God, large can thoroughly bless 
the man of God. And it's just a dollar, you know. And so and for 50 cents more, you can extra large this. Well, you know, I mean, hey, extra large. I mean, I'll have a large drink. She goes, well, you can have the super extra large 55-gallon drum. We can put it by IV in your arm, and you can carry the hose down to the the place. I said, well, praise the Lord. I mean, more? I'll, I mean, for a dollar? I mean, yeah, for sure. You can supersize, extra size, one dollar more. She just kept saying it to me on everything. I looked up, and it's just me and my daughters. We've had $42 worth of junk. I looked at them, I said, that whole thing costs like six bucks. We got $42 of more. And I don't know about you, but I struggle managing what I currently have. Can y'all have, can I have an amen? But more is better. And so in our minds a lot of times, and again, we're a church who believes in that God has steps for us, that we move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and I believe God does have more things that he wants you to steward. I believe there are things in your redemptive potential that he has planned for you, but the thing we miss out on if you don't have a grid, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have the way God wants you to currently steward what you currently have, more cannot be a blessing in your life. Sometimes it can be a curse. And so it's like, how do I even sort out whether it's God's more or my more? How, how do I even know that? How do I even work through that? I love this passage of scripture. Ecclesiastes says, one handful, one handful with rest is better than two fistful of labor and striving after the wind. One translation says, one handful with some tranquility and peace can be better than two fistfuls when you're stressed out. And so there's a concept there that kind of messes with our mind, and I'm going to warn you up front, a lot of this to get God's perspective, and you're even sorting that out, and what does that look like? It really has to do with some things that are really opposite of how we naturally think, and that's why you're all asking me for help with stress. I've been on my own journey and my own process in this. I love this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 11, because as I said, I'm not just giving you a bunch of cycle psychological self-help babble. I mean, we can go to Jesus, and Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the one who wants to show us how to do life. He says this, come to me. Come to me. So you need to ask yourself the question before you've come to your goals, before you've come to your plans, before you've come to what you're going to accomplish this school year, have you come to him? Have you come to him? Is he part of the equation? Come to me, all who are weary stressed out and burdened and full of anxiety and dealing with it, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We're going to talk about that word in a minute, because some of you are like, that doesn't compute. What is rest? Rest is not your proximity to a beach. Rest is not how many days off you have. Rest, biblically, is a condition of the soul. Rest biblically is a condition where Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, brings the fullness of his expression into your real center in life. He says, I'm going to give you some rest. But he says how you do it, you have to take my yoke upon you. Now, some of you don't know what that means. You're like, yoke, what's he mean here, yoke? Well, if you really look and let the Bible interpret the Bible, there's a yoke of bondage that comes from religious obligation. 
So these people are living under a religious system that they have to keep all of these rules and regulations so that they're right with God, and then if they're right with God and do everything like he asked them to, then they can have his peace. And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, not, not throw away the moral principles of the law. There's people today that are very confused saying, well, we just throw away all the principles and all the moral things. No, 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 we don't throw all of God's patterns and God's plans and principles away. What he's speaking to is, he's speaking to the earning and all of the subsidiary religious ceremonial things that go along with this and using those things to try to become pleasing to God. Jesus says, look, I have a different yoke. A yoke is an agricultural concept where there's a wooden deal there where two oxen would get in it and plow. And what is Jesus saying? I wanna get in this wooden yoke with you and you and I together, we're gonna plow ahead into what I've called you to. And now you can't pull against me, otherwise we're gonna end up in tension and in a problem, but we're gonna, we're gonna do this together and I'm gonna show you how to really be productive. I'm gonna show you how to really, look, one thing you're gonna learn when you do it Jesus' way, you don't become less productive, you become more productive. And you actually see real fruit with what Jesus is after when he's with you. See, he's the vine, we're the branches. Come let me do it with you. Let me show you what real fruit is. Let me show you what's really what you care about. Let me show you about leaving stuff that actually can remain and outlive you. Let me get in the yoke with you. He says, if you'll do this and you'll learn from me, that's what we're gonna do today here in just a minute. We're gonna learn from him. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love the message paraphrase of this. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll show you how to have a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced. I mean, obligation is such a big source of stress. Obligation. No, 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 no. Unforced. Let's find out what your gifts are. Let's learn what your season is. Let's learn what I'm calling you to. Let me get in the yoke with you. This is not about a forced thing, an obligatory thing, unforced rhythms of grace. 10 years ago, if someone were to have a Sunday morning message series on being stressed out, I wouldn't probably pay a lot of attention. I, I, I personally, just honestly and transparently would have thought, that, that's crazy, you know? I mean, they just need to figure out how to get it done, you know? Just kinda just, just, kinda just buck up and make it happen. I know none of you have ever thought that before. But, but you know, I'm, I'm a big high work ethic, big high responsibility, you know? Don't whine about it, don't cry about it, don't complain. And so I'm probably in that category that probably has a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with stress. And yet, due to some personal factors and watching some other people and seeing that on a consistent basis, and quite honestly, starting to do a real evaluation of the future and what God had called me to, I began to go on a journey to try to understand some of the things that I'm sharing with you right now. I began to share them with our staff. I began to try to incorporate them into my household, and I want to tell you, I'm so grateful that God showed me. I don't know if you've ever been that way where God shows you before an explosion some principles that can really save your life. And, and so I this week was with our 41 high school interns. We had 41 high school interns that spent the summer with us. 
And I sat with them and started talking to them. You know, they got all these aspirations and they want to do great things. And I started talking to them about a biblical principle of you move out of your character, out of your life. If you really want to have fruit that remains, you got to watch your life. Watch your life, not watch your gifts, not be afraid of missing out on an opportunity, the fear of missing out. No, 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 the Bible exhorts us, watch your life, because if you'll watch that, then you'll preserve not only yourself, but you preserve a lot of other people along the way. So I began to talk to them about, look, watch your character, watch your life, then started talking to them about that and sharing some of these principles with you. I hope that I can get you to a place of, of maybe revelation that could really help some of you get out of a tailspin, but some of you start down the right path, okay? And um, I watched this, this TED Talk, a Stanford psychologist did a TED Talk all about stress and then turned it into a national best-selling book, and I'll just save you all the time of watching the TED Talk. Nine million people watch the TED Talk. You think people have trouble with stress? I'll save you the time of the book and the TED Talk. She said this, basically the sum total is you have to change how you think about it. You gotta change your perspective. Your first step to getting help with stress is admit, you know what, I've got some wrong perspectives. I am very, very immature in this area. I didn't get a lot of help in this area. I'm gonna tell you, I got some help educationally. I had some good teachers, thank God for the teachers. I had some good coaches who taught me about grit and taught me about hard work, thank God for great coaches. I had a great dad who taught me about how to handle money. My dad taught me about money. He was content with what he had. He was big on, he didn't like debt. He drove the same truck he bought it in 1970 for $3,200. He didn't care about keeping up with the Joneses. He'll full on drop me off in that old thing when that thing was falling apart at the school. I'd be like, can we park a mile away? I'll walk up there. He didn't care. Three on the tree, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so he taught me. So from an early age, I wasn't trying to live someone else's lifestyle. I was trying to steward my lifestyle. My dad taught me that. He taught me about tithing, 12 years old. The first time I started getting some money, he taught me about giving God the first fruits. He taught me about saving. Proverbs talks about that. I used to read Proverbs. He had me read Proverbs. I learned about money, and thank God, because I would be stewarding churches, and I'd be stewarding my own life. I learned that. No one taught me about what I'm talking to you about today. No one taught me about, watch your life. Watch your stress. This can hurt you. No one taught me this. So I want to give you three areas that I've been on a journey in learning the last few years here that are very important. Three mindset changes that can transform your relationship with stress. Number one that was a big game changer for me, think rhythm instead of balance. Now some of you are going to think I'm being petty. You're going to think I'm talking about semantics, but I really believe this to be true. And I know some of you may have attended a work seminar where someone spent the whole seminar talking to you about the work-life balance, okay? Balance is only temporary. It's only something you can temporarily succeed at. It's ultimately, at some point, you're headed for failure if balance is your goal. I'm not saying that I don't like the concept of balance. I love the fact that God is complete, that God carries all these different characteristics like justice and mercy and tension. I love the tension of theology. I love balance. I love to be a, a person who sounds sane and, and can see other viewpoints and stuff. But I used to talk a lot about balance. The problem is balance is really not in the Bible. 
There's a verse I used to quote as a young pastor, a false balance is an abomination. And, and, and actually, I found out later that it actually is talking about stealing. So if you listen to that message, I was wrong, okay? Give me some grace. <laughs> but, but scripturally, it's not there. By the way, you know the lady that, that does the balancing acts at the ball games. You've all seen her. There she is. She's on a unicycle, right? Got all these bowls. That's really cool, right? You're like, whoa, look at that balance. But, but I don't know about you, what makes it entertaining is the thought that everything's on the verge of falling apart. So when you think balance, there's Guinness Book of World Records for people on seesaws and people like her for how long they balance, but at some point, me standing here like this, however long it takes, at some point, I'm going to lose my balance. So it makes for a poor target, and I believe that it actually reinforces the concept of more because it trains your thinking to say, as long as I'm a good balancer, I can keep adding more, and we lose sight of the fact that we all have a limited capacity. We all have a limited capacity, we all have a stewardship before God, and the Bible actually gives us a different concept, rhythm and seasons. Ecclesiastes 3, I love this section of scripture, Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And in this whole section of scripture, it's showing how God operates. Did you know God starts in the beginning, he works six days, rhythm, a rhythm, six days, and he rested on the seventh. He created daytime and nighttime. Nowadays, technology has changed and messed up our seasons and rhythms. It's no wonder everybody's saying, help me with my stress. You used to have, you know, you, you didn't have technology, so at night, guess what you did? You slept. You went to sleep. Now, some of you are like, I work nights, but whatever. There's got to be a section of time where your body needs that sleep, and nowadays, our rhythms are all off. God works six and he took a rest moment, a rest time, the rhythm of it you see throughout scripture, day, night. You don't plant crops in the winter. You don't plant those crops in the winter unless they're a winter crop, but most crops have a season, and so what? There's a harvest season, there's a planting season, and it also says that in understanding rhythms, someone can work and actually enjoy the fruit of their labor, and it says eternity was set in our hearts. So guess what else? We're not just working for the next thing. We have an eternal mindset that we're cooperating with the rhythm of God for his agenda in the earth. Talk about being stressed out. It's when you do all this stuff for a bunch of stuff that's going to burn up. Have you even included in your rhythm whether or not what you're giving your energy to will last for eternity? And so there's this rhythm of God, and we start understanding it. Here's, let me make it real practical. When Brandy and I waited five years before we had children, when we had children, it changed our season. Then we had some little ones. We had two back-to-back, -back, 13 months apart. People were like, Brandy needs to be teaching the women's ministry. We're like, she got a big old women's ministry right now, I'm telling you. We're in kids' ministry. And I know today, you're not going to hear that from the world. When you have little children, it changes your season. If you're going to foster to adopt, you just changed your season. 
If you're going to go back and get a degree, you just changed your season. When you step into a new season and it's a season God's calling you to, which is what you need to discern, is it out of obligation? Is it out of fear of missing out? Is this the time I should step into that season? And once you've sorted out that with God and heard from God and had good counsel from other people around you, here's the part you leave out. Balance says, well, I'll enter that season and I'll add something else, but I'm a good balancer. But real wisdom says, my season's different right now. I've changed my season in this time of my life. For me, there's a lot about our church that could be different. Early days, I could have been, had more you know, national platforms. I could have done a lot of different things, but I decided I wasn't gonna sacrifice my children on the altar of ministry success. So guess what? I knew my season with kids at home changed the fact that I wanted to be by their bedside at night. And so I, I made some value choices in certain seasons so that in other seasons I could enjoy the fruit of what was planted in that season. So you have to start building up a rhythm with God. You need to have some kind of daily rhythms and weekly rhythms. We're not legalistic, so things change. And by the way, it changes many times because we have other events that come into our life. If you have no plan, no life management plan, no rhythm to your life, then when crisis comes, when crisis comes, you have no margin to handle that. Interestingly enough, I did a Twitter poll and said, what's your number one area of stress? Here's what you told me. 42% of you said you have stress about finances. So just like stress, money is spoken about in the Bible. Like here he goes, preacher talking about money. You're the one who said you have a problem with it, I'm sorry. And Jesus talked about it a lot because it tends to be our God. And did you know what? There are principles of God that build rhythms with your money. Rhythms with your money. The first fruits go to God, which reminds you that God is your source. And so you give to God that first fruits, he reminds you, and then he blesses the rest. You have a place of saving. You have a place of advancing the kingdom with resources. Look, and your seasons also work with your money. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Have you stopped to say, I don't really know how to do this? That's why we have uh, budget coaches here. We have financial coaching. We can coach you into learning what the Bible has to say about money, but even with money, the same thing applies with life management. And I wanna say something here that's not fair, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I found some of the best money managers are terrible life managers. But the same principles have to apply. There has to be a rhythm. There has to be a rhythm that cooperates with God's plan and pattern. There also has to be some principles that you adhere to, and the only reason you hold to God's principles is you trust he's the source. He's the source. Second of all, we have to think rest instead of a break. As I said, rest is not a beach always. Some of you have taken a vacation and come back more stressed out than before you left. Can I, somebody's like, that sounds like my summer, pastor. By the way, if you're not building capacity, that's why you have a date night. If you're not building capacity, if you're not building rest in your soul, if you're not building margin, you have a date night, you fight the whole time. Come on now, that may or may not have happened to me before. It was all Brandy's fault. <laughs> what happens is though, you can't give energy and be present for that which matters if you don't have rest in your soul. It's not just about a break. And I know a lot of people think rest is laziness. Here, let me give you a little phrase from my friend who wrote a book on rhythm several years ago. Stress isn't bad, stress is bad all the time. Stress is a part of our lives. 
but it's also all the time with no rhythm, with no, no break, with no quarterly break, without, no da- without a daily break, without a week break. If you don't have a rhythm there, stress all the time is bad. Downtime isn't bad, but downtime all the time is a waste of your life. It's all about the rhythm. It's all about bringing rest to your soul. Again, some of us, you're like, rest, what does that mean? What does that even look like? When we were in Israel shooting the videos for the Closer series, I can't wait for you to come and enjoy that. I'm just amazed at when the whole culture shuts down once a week for Sabbath. I'll never forget, it imprinted something in my mind. There was a young family and a dad, and he was getting out some little bowls, and they had a little bit of food and stuff, and they pulled up to the park. We were going to shoot a video, and I looked over, and there's a dad, and had all his little kids, and there he had all the food, and his wife joined him, and they made out a little blanket, and they had a little picnic, and they sat down, and I thought, man, powerful. Everything, but see, in his culture, the culture cooperated with a moment like that. In our culture, there's no cooperation. You have to have it by revelation. You have to have it by revelation to go, you know what, I'm gonna take a little moment here to invest in what I really care about. And I'm gonna have energy and time for the things that really matter. And so it's rest for your souls. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. By the way, again, you can take all the breaks in the world. Some of you, it takes you a week when you do take a vacation to come down from all the stress you've been living under. There's there's sometimes some challenges there. I've been guilty of that before. And what that tells me is that I've got to build a more consistent pattern with my daily life, which takes a lot of revelation. Takes a lot of revelation. Here's the third thing. He says this, I'm gonna bring you rest, not just sort of like, okay, we're taking a break for your soul. I need you to think this way. Think soul instead of schedule. Now some of you are just like, okay, you lost me there. I'm trying to figure this rhythm out. What would that even look like? Well, well it really is gonna mean you're gonna say no to some, some things in your life is what it's gonna look like. It means you're gonna have to start giving an evaluation of he put eternity in your heart, he's called you to steward something, you're gonna have to start cooperating with a rhythm. By the way, when people have financial trouble, some of you, you don't come listen to one message and change how you handle money. Hopefully in one message you could change how you think about money to where you get a real revelation to where it starts changing your behavior. But it takes time, you have to start building a schedule, you have to start building a budget, you have to start saying no to certain things, you have to start changing how you operate and it's the same way in this area you're like wait you lost me like soul instead of schedule because all of our training in this is time management I'm gonna talk to you about this next week I mean time management is back to this balance idea so now I have online scheduling and sign up genus and all these other things so I just I've built technology to continue to keep me conveniently overextended And some of you use season for the wrong thing. You're like, well, I'm just in a season. If you've been in a season for 20 years, it's not a season. (laughs) But you have to think in this area of your soul. You're like, that's foreign. You're like, huh? Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. He's like, if you can't pay attention, if you can't give attention to the people that you care about, if you can't Put, put some value on being at peace. There, there's probably a lot of clutter in your inner person. Do you even know what that is? 
Have you ever even like said, man, how am I really doing? Like what's going on? What am I, what's going on inside my soul? Like what's dominating my emotions, my mind, my will? Have you, have you done any investigation of that? What's happening in there? That's why we have things here like freedom. I'm gonna tell you, Christianity is not an external religion. It's an inward victory. It's an inward victory that comes from Jesus Christ who comes on the inside of you and you no longer just do what you're supposed to do, he changes your want to's. So how's your soul? Do you even know how your soul's doing? And what happens when you get stress at toxic levels, you push it down, push it down, push it down. I'm gonna tell you, eventually something breaks. Eventually something breaks. So have you checked on your soul? The Bible says, in fact, I love this verse of scripture in 3 John, it says, I, I want you to, prosper in all respects and be in good health, but I also want your soul to prosper. So in other words, these other areas of your life are affected by how this part of your life is actually doing. Is it healthy? Have you asked yourself some of those questions? Okay. How, how's my soul actually doing? I, I want to I close with this thought, and next week we're going to talk more about, you're like, Pastor, I want to hear more about that. How do we actually tend to our souls? Nothing else other than Jesus Christ and the Word of God or a pastor is going to talk to you about this. Everything you're going to read on social media, every type of thing you can give your life to, they're going to compete for your attention. I'm going to tell you, if you lose your soul, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Your soul is important to God. We're going to talk about how to tend to that. But I'm gonna tell you the principles I'm laying out today, rhythm, do I even have a rhythm? Have I ever even investigated what that rhythm is? And by the way, that gives you the grid. If what you're saying that you want more of causes you to violate your rhythm, then it may not be God. If you're asking for more but you can't manage what you currently have, then that's going to bring a lot of stress in your life. It's like, okay, what is rest? Do I even understand that? Do I feel rested? How does that look? And then what about my soul? And I want to tell you, you can get this in a couple of ways. Revelation or tribulation. Most people, I'm going to tell you up front, most people get it from tribulation. Most people end up with fractured relationships, heart conditions, migraine headaches, adrenal failure, sickness, that's where most people get it. I want to tell you what I said at the start of the message. We're not good at self-evaluation in this area. So it sneaks up on us, and then you're having trouble sleeping, and you have that most people get it by tribulation. I had some tribulation and some revelation. But I'm going to tell you, you all know somebody like this, or maybe you yourself have experienced it. It is a dangerous place to be when you're continuing trying to balance more, but you can't manage what you currently have, then you only have other options to medicate, to try to cover, to try to find a way. And what really is a dangerous place to be, and some of you may be there, you're just numb. You're just numb to everything. And that's when you make stupid decisions. Stupid decisions. After an intense project or a season of intensity that you don't keep your rhythms, let me tell you, you're more susceptible to looking at the wrong thing on the internet. You're more susceptible to joining an old relationship. Why? Because your body wants to feel. Your body wants that adrenaline surge. Your body wants to get back to that. And so what happens is the unhealthy application of that is what can draw you. And I watched some of my friends burning out. I watched a friend of mine who was at the peak and pinnacle, 
had a national best-selling book, was traveling, and I mean, everybody wanted and competed, had a large church. I watched him get overextended, stressed out, and make a stupid moral decision. And I'm gonna tell you, through a combination of factors seven or eight years ago, I said, look, I, I gotta understand this because nobody's taught it to me. I'm sharing it with you today. Just make sure all the more you're getting that you actually are gonna be really deeply satisfied with the more that you're after. Just make sure. And you gotta make some evaluation. And I, I, my prayer is, my, my question to you would be, what would cause you, what actually would cause you to choose to deal with the stress in your life? I hope it doesn't take a medical issue. I hope you, have, you don't have to not even be able to enjoy the later years of your life because the stress that you put yourself under in your current condition. I hope that's not the case. What would make you choose to deal with the stress in your life? Maybe you're watching online or at McKinney. What would get you to that point? I'm praying that Jesus is enough. Come to me if you're weary and heavy. I, I wanna show you how to do this. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit more practically next week. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Father, I'm asking you if there's one person who doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they would surrender themselves fully to you because you're the answer, first of all. Nothing will ever satisfy us like you. So you can simply say, Jesus, here I am, come in. Second of all, Lord, would you teach us? We wanna learn from you how to live this life and fulfill what you've called us to steward and to be healthy in our souls. Lord, I pray today for any person that's in that place that today there would be a revelation moment that would cause them to pursue what it means to follow you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.